Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. I have an army. We have a Hulk. You're not the guy to make the sacrifice play? To lay down on a wire and let the other guy crawl over you? You're a laboratory experiment, Rogers. Everything special about you came from the bottom. I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy spit it out. He's my friend. So was I. Nobody spills the secrets because nobody knows them. The city is flying. We're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. I'm very popping, y'all! I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. Oh, I'll get that up. The, the underchained. The Under Underchannel. You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Welcome, true believers, to the Underchannel versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is Robert Under at my side, turning knobs and man of the drops. Aaron. Good evening. And our resident Red Skull, Steve. Excelsior! Uh, today we're going to be talking Captain America the First Avenger, released on July 22nd, 2011 and directed by Joe Johnson. Captain America was the fifth film to be released and is the first chronologically. Marvel Studios pushed forth the alternate history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe by giving us a World War II period piece featuring a faction of the Third Reich searching for occult powers to help turn the tides of war. Uh, now these movies have been talked to death so we're not going to go too deep, but here's a couple points I'd like to discuss. So with this movie, Marvel officially got the second pillar of their universe. They, they had released the Thor movie, they did release the Incredible Hulk movie, but it wasn't until they finally released this movie that you started to see the, the main two pillars or anchors of what would become the universe. It wasn't until this movie Marvel released, you finally got the second pillar of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now where Iron Man is an asshole, He's been in this role his entire life. You know, he was the prodigal son of a huge tech company. Captain America came from the other way. He wanted to be the hero. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't given his place. He he wanted so hard. I mean, you see it in the beginning of the movie the amount of times that he keeps trying to get into the military. What do you guys think of Captain America as a counterpoint to the, the Tony Stark Iron Man? Probably the best personality you can put up against Stark. Tony Stark in terms of they're both on the same side. They both want the same thing. But they have different ways to achieve it. Different ways to achieve it, and they have their own personality within themselves of how to achieve it in the way that they're going to achieve it. Captain America is, like you said, he's, he's very noble, good for the cause, and he wants to do things the right way to him and use good old-fashioned elbow grease grit and determination to get these things done tony stark relies a little more heavily on his his, his tech his tech and his intellect yeah, yeah. and it is wealth the big i guess counterpoint to them is captain america is the leader he's the one with the natural ability to lead the team iron man's the one with all the resources i mean you can make a case that most of the influence that the government came into it would be from iron man's we're talking too much about Iron Man. Yeah, but I mean, it, being yeah. the second pillar that Captain America is, it's important to understand in terms of the scope of what everything Avenger-wise, because eventually that's what this all leads into, you know, is these guys surviving together on a global level. Captain America himself, 
like you said, he's a scrawny kid from Brooklyn. He believes in himself undeniably. He'll never not get back up. Captain America will always get back up and always get back into the fight. It's, it's one of those things that is just inside of him. And it's an endearing quality, and that's why eventually people do follow Captain America, because he is ready to go. The odds are never too great for Captain America. He will always rise to the occasion and try to figure it out. He's supposed to embody what the American spirit at the time. It's, it's World War II. You know, America is getting into the fight. We, we've been dredged out of our, our sleep. And they, they get you right away from the beginning that Cap and Stark are going to be interconnected because Stark's grandfather plays an father. integral role. No, that's his grandfather. Is that his father? That's grandfather? his grandfather. Think of the timeline. Yeah, 20. Or okay, word. yeah, never mind. Yeah. 40. Yeah. Yep. Never mind. So that's his grandfather, you know, and he's an integral part in developing everything that Captain America, he gave Captain America his abilities. I mean, yes, that German scientist was the guy that believed in Captain America and helped Captain America believe in himself, but where were they? All that stuff was, I mean, it was, they were in the S.H.I.E.L.D. laboratory, I guess, but it was all Tony Stark's grandfather's stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing the Stark Industries featured throughout this movie. Like, mm-hmm. it really did add the to, the, to the wealth of it, yeah, and the wealth like of, uh, of it. So, Captain America, just like you said, is definitely a product of the time. I mean, the character was created as a propaganda piece to help drive home the narrative of American power on our shores, the same way we talk about how Nazis used a lot of propaganda on their side. Well, that is what Captain America was. Mm -hmm. Captain America was not the only American-themed superhero. There's been countless versions. So I have five different American superheroes that I'm going to read off to you guys. I want you guys to determine if this is a real character or if these are characters that I created. Okay. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) All right, so the first ones, well, first one, Yank and Doodle. Identical twins Rick and Dick defended the U.S. stateside during World War II with super strength and invulnerability as long as they were in close proximity with each other. Are these characters real or fake? Fake. Yeah, it's got to be fake. What did they have to defend on our shores? Nothing was going on. (laughs) I'm sorry. Those characters are real. They first appeared in Prize Comics number 13. How long did Yank and Doodle last? (laughs) I do not know, but it was in 1941. So, um, number two, The Executive. In an alternate version of America, which has become completely lawless, the executive, wearing a stars and pinstripe suit, travels from coast to coast to bring law and order back to this once great nation. This is real. Sounds very much like, uh, that. what's that cowboy's name? Wild West, he's a uh, uh, tombstone guy. Um, I couldn't tell you. Jonah Hex? No, not Jonah <laughs> Hex. All right, well, I will let you guys know this is a fake character <laughs> that I two, created, actually based on Judge Dredd. Oh, nice. Okay. Number three, Mayflower. Wearing a costume similar to that of a pilgrim, Mayflower used the ability to control and accelerate the growth of plants to ensnare her adversaries. Okay, Poison Ivy. This, it's the same person, basically, except for it sounds like Mayflowers for the good of the the good of the land. I'm going to say that's a real character. I'm going with fake. That is a real character. <laughs> Mayflower made her appearance in the, the Batman and the Outsiders annual number Wait, one in Batman 1984. Batman and the Outsiders? Yeah. The oh, Batman villain. Like the Outsiders? Like uh, <laughs> no. the Greasers and Soda, stuff? Soda Pop, Soda Pop and, and, no. and Pony, Boy? Pony Boy? No, not them. <laughs> this game sucks. As far as I know, it's actually tied to a Suicide Squad storyline. I sat down to watch that movie with my wife and kids again last night. I just went to bed. <laughs> I uh, still have not finished that movie. 
And actually, the sequel just got some bad news with them bringing uh, James Gunn back to Gardens no, of the Galaxy. No, it's, it's the same news. I mean, it's good news. He's going to be able to finish Suicide Squad 2. Oh, is they, he still doing it? Yeah. He, okay. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will not start at all until James Gunn is done with Suicide 2. Hmm. Oh, okay. So he's doing that one first. Yeah. Even though he's already had the script and everything planned for Guardians of the Galaxy? I mean, he probably has kept the thing, so I'm pretty sure... Well, Disney kept it. They already said, even before they announced he was coming back, they had already said that they are, oh, fuck it, we're not doing Gardens of the Galaxy right now. Back All right, gap. next one. USS Freedom. Half man, half warship. USS Freedom was the crown jewel of the U.S. Navy and brought out the big guns, man, which were attached shit. to his back to keep U.S. coastlines secure. This has got to be real because he sent us that RoboCop in a rowboat uh, picture the other day where it was half crime fighter, half rowboat. Nope, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, this is a fake one. I created yes! this one. Good job, Steve. You're catching up. No, All right, the final up. one. You know, that is the plot line of that movie Battleship they had that came out with Rihanna in it, though. It's just a terrible movie, terrible hero, terrible half-man, half-warship. Really? I don't know. Oh, I'm okay. I was like, damn, I'm, I'm watching that movie now. All right, last one. American Made. Brandishing a tiara and high heels with boomerang capabilities, American Made utilizes Olympic-level athleticism and cunning use of disguise to clean up crime. You say an American Made boomerang? Tiara and high heel boomerangs. So it's kind of stealing some of Wonder Woman's stuff. So I'm going. Or it's stealing Captain Boomerang. Oh yeah, or Captain Boomerang. So <laughs> that's Australian. No, no, it's not. No, it's not stealing that. Uh, real, fake. This is a real character from the Tick animated series. Oh, all right. I should have. I should have went yeah. Tick. That's good stuff. Yeah. We talk a lot about the big American influence on this Captain America movie. So the villain. What do you guys think of Nazis as a villain in a superhero movie? It's the easiest thing you can use because they're the biggest evil you can look at and have a unified direction. Okay, let's go get them. Let's go after them. I mean, I'm not saying it's low-hanging fruit because obviously Captain America, they weren't really fighting Nazis. I mean, they were. That was the main threat. But the Nazis that they fought, it was Hydra. So it's an offshoot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this faction gone wrong. Yeah. That was a point I had made when I was watching that scene where the Nazi officials are walking with him and saying, hey, you know, we need to see some return on investment with Hydra. Like, you guys haven't provided us any new guns in a while. Oh, yeah, when you're walking with Red Skull. Yeah, and he goes in, and they have that giant map up there. And they're like, Berlin's on that map! <laughs> and I was, at that point, I wrote down, so is Hydra good? Because I think anyone who kills Nazis are actually good guys. So it's like, oh, now I'm rooting for Hydra. <laughs> Hydra's always like... Like, they're the bad guys, but they have, like, different objectives. Yeah, they're self-serving. Yeah, they're, they're self-serving. They're not even bad so much as their intentions are bad. Mm-hmm. Like, if they if they wanted to be good guys, or if whoever ran Hydra was a good guy, they would just become a good organization. It really just matters who's who's over them. Who's the, who's the big guy? I feel like Hydra's super short-sighted in their, in their goal, though, because, like, they're really just trying to achieve the same goal that Hitler was, take over the world. I don't know if they hate Jews or not, but... They hated everything. They had otherworldly power but they just wanted to keep it on a global scale. They just stayed here at Earth. Yeah, and uh, with that, how do you guys think they did balancing superpowers in a like a traditional war movie? That was fine. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the only thing that was used for superpowers was just the super, super serum with Rogers and a Tesseract. Nothing was too... Out of control. Out of control, yeah. where it did become non-believable. Yeah, it was It was Tom Hanks intelligent. You could, you could see how the people would be able to get through whatever problem was in front of them it wasn't out of their control they could they could muscle it it's a good point like if it had been 
you know, like a character in the mold of Superman or something where it was flying around and, and all this. It probably wouldn't have been as believable, but with Captain America, he really is just like the ultimate version of a man. He's he really is just... the ultimate man. To close out the first part of the show, we've decided to feature a single piece of dialogue that we felt best captured the essence of the film. Allow me to paint you a picture. Having been selected to undergo Project Rebirth, a puny Steve Rogers sits down with Dr. Erskine the night before, questioning if he was the correct choice. The serum amplifies everything that is inside, so good becomes great, bad becomes worse. This is why you were chosen. Because the strong man, who has known power all his life, they lose respect for that power, but a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. Thanks. I think. Whatever happens tomorrow, you must promise me one thing. That you will stay who you are. Not a perfect soldier, but a good man. If you enjoy what you've heard so far, more episodes are available on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Our website is theunderchannel.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Over 21 movies in 11 years, the mind behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe have worked to craft one of the deepest interconnected film series of all time. It's time for Aaron to tell us just how Captain America, the first Avenger, ties into the overall storyline by serving up some connective tissue. All right, first of all, what you got to understand is Captain America does not fit in, period. But, as you'll find out, as you get through your Captain America movies and your Avenger movies and you, you explore him through the universe, he may not fit in, but everyone will eventually follow him. It's a reoccurring theme throughout Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, you start out where he just so badly wants to join the armed services, but he's not good enough. He's too small, he's undersized, but his heart and determination still propels him to keep going. And eventually he gets noticed by the, the German scientist and he brings him into the fold. But he doesn't just get to do it. You know, hey, you're the guy. He's got to go to boot camp. He's got to be selected and part of this program. And it really doesn't happen until he jumps on that grenade that he endears himself to other people and to where they think, okay, yes, this is the guy. He's got what it takes. He's willing to sacrifice himself. And that's what you see from Captain America throughout all these stories, all these movies, is a guy that's willing to, to do whatever it takes for the greater good, the greater good of the team. Even when they go to put him into the experiment where he gets the injection, the super serum, there's still people second-guessing him and saying, this is the stupidest idea. Uh, somebody get this kid a sandwich. I mean, in hindsight, I mean, at the moment, it kind of is a dumb idea, though. Yeah. It's just like, this kid is just a scrawny little thing that's going to kill him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but who chose him to be Captain America? I mean, it may, I mean he's... He Dr. Er, Dr. Erskine. I mean, because the doctor was just like, all right, this kid has everything he you want. He was the right. only one that was on his side, though. Yeah, because which is crazy, though. Was, was he the only one that knew what the serum would actually do? Because it didn't matter if Captain America was scrawny. Mm -hmm. If he knew that the serum was going to give him that size and strength, it's almost like, would you want to give that to somebody who is already muscle-bound? Because it might turn him into Brock Lesnar. Yeah, at that and that's, point. that was the, the juxtaposition between Ersgard and uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, where Tommy Lee Jones wanted the one guy. 
because he was yeah. big, he was strong, he could do everything you wanted him to do, but he was a dick. Yeah. He was a bully. Yeah, and he doesn't Which have, is bad. You don't want that. You don't want bullies. Yeah, in that scene where he talks about, hey, it actually, it's not even so much it, it exemplifies. No. <laughs> magnifies. Amplifies. Amplifies. Thank you. Amplifies the physical abilities of a person. No, it just amplifies the person. Mm-hmm. So if you have, listen, he could be a great soldier, but if he's the kind of soldier who... You know, does some underhanded shit at the time of war because he's going to justify his actions. That's not who we want as our representation for the country. And it, the next part is Steve Rogers' character interweaves its way through whoever he comes across, and they eventually will follow him. Think of what happens with Captain America in the war effort. He just becomes a propaganda piece. They're doing sideshows with cheerleaders, and when he finally gets to Europe where the wars actually happen, the, the troops hate him. I, I they want that. nothing to do with him. They're throwing tomatoes at him. They're booing him. And, and he eventually realizes, Steve Rogers does, that I'm doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not what I'm supposed to be. I'm not the fight. I have nothing to do with the war. And so he changes everything, and he goes out, and he goes to his commanding officers and he says you're not using me the right way and he just he bullheadedly goes out on his own and eventually he gets his own troop the Halloween commandos and those guys follow him and again it's just another way that he his personality leadership integrity the first to jump into the fight endears himself to other people and they will go and follow him yeah there were a couple cool lines that I thought did a really good job of showcasing Roger's understanding what his true role is in the war. The first one would be when he is about to jump out of the plane and he says, hey, I'm going to jump out and I want you guys to turn this jet around and get out of here. And she's like, well, you can't give me orders. He's like, I'm a captain. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, you know what? I I liked it because that was probably the first time I ever like thought about the idea of Captain America. Yeah, that having the, a rank. Having a rank. Yeah. yeah, I was. I've always thought, well, he. What is he? he well, he's the captain of the country, obviously. <laughs> you know, it's like if if America is a football team, he's got the C on his chest, or yep. uh, you know. But that was like, oh no, Captain is he's a military official. Yeah, like, he's basically a, of the military, the one who can actually take it to, uh, to the enemy's front lines. Yeah, it was nice. And then even in that scene, you've got Stark's grandfather flying him in. Nobody else will help. But a Stark will. Yep. The best, uh, what do they say? The best, man, my fucking, my brain's not working today. Uh, the best pedestrian? Pedestrian. What do they hero? say? No. Civilian? Civilian, thank This is why we keep you around, Steve. All right. The <laughs> best civilian pilot that she's ever seen. That's true. And it's it's Stark, right? It, they could have thrown any random character they wanted into there, but... They really needed to hammer home that these two characters are, in this the imaginary wor- world, they're bringing it all together. Uh, when Marvel launched the MCU, they redefined canon for every single one of their characters. These versions are now the public perception of Captain America. John Q. Public won't be referring to the quarter bins when defending their favorite superhero's badassery. They'll be talking about these movies. But that doesn't mean the stories being told are original to the movies. So let's check out where the studios found their inspiration. Captain America Comics number 1 from 1941. Although expanded on to provide additional depth in the film, the origin of Captain America is nearly unchanged from his debut. In addition to a very brief Meet Captain America story, this issue also included four additional Captain America books, including Riddle of the Red Skull, so Red Skull is actually an original uh, villain for the character, 
Yeah, uh, he, uh, yeah. Uh, Red Skull is the Joker to Captain America. In yeah. case you guys didn't know that. And kind of odd, the Captain America comics actually also featured two additional stories, one featuring a, a hero named the Hurricane, and the other featuring a, a story of a cave boy named Tuck. They really wanted to put on the front of it that it's 45 pages of action, but it's only like 30-something pages of Captain America action. Huh. The Ultimates Volume 1 from 2002 is credited for its heavy influence on what would become the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. This series, which ran for 13 issues, the first of which ends with Captain America being frozen in the Arctic and being revived in modern day. Tales of Suspense, numbers 79 through 81 from 1966, the first story to feature the cosmic cube known as the Tesseract in these films, a device capable of turning any wish into reality regardless of the consequences. And by no means will any of us claim to be comic book aficionados. So anyone who's listening we to this, know it all. if you know of any other comics that help to shape the story behind this movie, hit us up on all of our social media. Let us know. Tell us we're a dumbass. We don't mind. So half the fun of these movies isn't just what you should be paying attention to. It's the little pieces of fanfare hidden in plain sight. It's time for Steve to strap on his floppy ears and share some Easter eggs. All right, so the first Easter egg is Chris Evans actually declined his role three different times. Really? No, no not because he didn't like the role. He really be- just wanted to keep being Johnny Blaze? No, not because that. He did. <laughs> it's not because he didn't like the role. Yeah. It's he was afraid of what this movie would do to his fame because he really likes his private life. True. Robert Downey Jr. had to convince him to take the part and then gain the freedom to sign on any other role he went afterwards because a lot of these Marvel characters, like once you sign this contract, yeah, you were in it. You are in it for more than likely five movies, and you have. And if there's any reshoots or anything, you have to stop on what you're doing, and you have to go there. So after that, he had a meeting with director Joe Johnson and the producers who convinced him to take the role. So when he, um, when Captain America is first shown as the buff, muscular man, the woman who plays Peggy Carter, Haley Attell, when he was uh, when she was touching his chest. That was actually very improvised, and the surprise on her face is genuine, as she admitted in interviews that she was very taken by Chris's physique and nearly broke character. (laughs) (laughs) She copped a feel. That's a hashtag MeToo moment. There were originally two cameo appearances by X-Men. In very early development, you were supposed to see James Logan Harlot, who was Wolverine. Really? Yep, and Eric Lesnar, who who was Magneto. Hmm. They were because they're both actually in World War II. Yeah, the same time frame. Uh, But unfortunately... opportunity there. But unfortunately, those cameos were scrapped due to copyrights issues. Ah, uh, true, too. Yeah, because this was prior to yep. Marvel and the, uh, 20th Century Fox actually being very supportive with each other. And now I'm going to talk about Stanley's cameo in this movie. So K- Stanley in this movie, he plays a World War general at the press conference for Cap. Does he? Yeah. I missed it. Yeah, it's kind I of. I honestly it, felt like he didn't he didn't appear in this one. So no, he Stanley is in every Marvel movie ever since the early ones. He isn't he is in literally every movie. So he, this one is a kind of blink and you see it because okay. some of them are very obvious and some of them is a blink and you miss it. Ah, there he is. Okay. Uh, if you enjoy what you've heard so far, more episodes available on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Our website is theunderchannel.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The time has come for the Marvel Cinematic Universe Giant Size Trivia Challenge. Aaron and Steve will be facing off daily to determine who's really paying attention as they attempt to slog through these films. Scores will tally throughout the month, and at the end, whoever has answered the most questions correct will be crowned the winner, and the loser shall face punishment. All right, so Aaron goes first every day. 
uh, just because it bothers Steve. Um, so, I don't care. Uh, go first. what we're going to do is I, I've got three questions. Uh, the first one will go to Aaron, the second one will go to Steve, and the third one will be open for whoever wants to answer first. Uh, you guys do have the opportunity to steal. Um, after the after I give Aaron his question, if he gets it incorrect, Steve, you do have the opportunity to answer. Though if you answer incorrect, you do lose a point. I got you, Alex. I got you. After the end of the uh, the entire event, there will be some sort of punishment, which we will reveal later on this month. So, Aaron, upon being selected to participate in Project Rebirth, Steve Rogers is escorted to a facility hidden behind us, an unassuming shop front in New York City. What is the name of this business? Boggins and Burks. <laughs> Just stealing a Harry Potter reference. Man. I got no idea. I yeah. Brooklyn Antiques. Uh, yeah. It was an antique shop. Man, Damn, I showed that so that. much. You guys didn't even get that. You guys are not going to do good at this challenge. <laughs> no, no. We're going to be awful in trivia. All cool. right, Steve. Immediately following Steve Rogers' transformation into a super soldier. An undercover Hydra agent shoots Dr. Abraham Erskine before fleeing. Rogers pursues the shooter all the way to Brooklyn Pier 13, where he utilizes a car door to shield himself from gunfire, an image that was later used in the papers uh, to cover the story. What company is branded on this car door? Is it the Daily Bugle, since it's in New York? No, it is the Lucky... Fuck, Aaron. It's the Lucky Taxi Service Company. Absolutely not. It's the Lucky Star <laughs> Cab Company. Right. <laughs> the yeah. inspiration for his Hell shield yeah. was explained through this picture, which I've always thought the, the choice of a hero with just a shield was kind of an odd one, and they did a good job of explaining it yeah. because it was a press photo, right? Yeah. Somebody snapped a picture, and they're like, well, it especially, works. Yeah. 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 You know what's funny about that is I'm watching that movie, and my, my uh, five-year-old, logically thinking when he's fighting like everybody when they storm the gates and he's just throwing his shield around and stuff my five-year-old's like is that all he has is just a shield <laughs> he doesn't have like a sword or anything these guys are shooting guns at him yeah <laughs> you don't bring a sword to a gunfight anyways <laughs> you don't bring a shield to a gunfight hey yeah, yeah you can i mean i guess but <laughs> all right last one for the day shield to protect you from bullets after freeing the captain this guy's uh, you guys do have your buzzers aaron what does your buzzer sound like steve what does your buzzer sound like Gentlemen, I do expect to hear the buzzer before I hear your answer. <laughs> After freeing the captured 107th Infantry Regiment from the Hydra Weapons Facility in Austria, Captain America's heroics make the front page once again and draws the attention of a blonde soldier who plants a kiss on him, which is interrupted by Peggy Carter. What was the name of the paper held by this blonde soldier? The New York Times. That is incorrect. Yeah, I don't know. I did not pay attention to the, na the names. That publication is known as the Stars and Stripes. Nice. That makes sense. And with that, we end the show. But fear not, we shall return tomorrow with zero zero. Captain Marvel. <laughs>